I love that song. So thank you for singing that. Man, well, that song is great because that's the anthem of our faith, isn't it? Oh, sorry, kids, you can be dismissed. Um, I'm ready to preach. Uh, kids, dismiss the back. Um, Jason, um, have a blessed time with, with, uh, with those babies. Uh, good morning, uh, once again. Um, yeah, that song uh, is incredible because that is the song. I guess this is how I feel about that song. I think you feel the same way. Is you know your sins more than anybody else except for God, right? And the same is true for me. So when I sing that song and I think about his mercy, and there's that one line that says, he lavishes his kindness. He lavishes his kindness. Friends, if we hear nothing today, um, I really hope we hear this. Um, For deeply flawed, tired, wounded sinners, the Father lavishes his kindness on you. Your sins are great. Yes, it's true. But hear this. His mercy is more. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the truth of scripture, Father. Um, speak to us this morning. Speak to us this morning. We love you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, listen, I know we have a missions team out. I know people are already on vacation. I know today it's like a low Sunday. Uh, it's kind of like dark and rainy outside. And like the, you feel this need maybe for like me to like just kind of get on with it and to hurry up so we can go home. But, but here, here is the problem is that... Um, The gospel is good news. And hear this, friends. We need to hear the gospel this morning. We need to hear the gospel this morning. So, finally into my intro. Um, Y'all are stuck, guys. No one else is here. It's just me today. And so, this could go off the rails very quickly. Um, But real quick, next Sunday uh, is Memorial Day weekend. And we're going to launch, we did this last year, our 100 Days of Summer And it's this initiative we do um, to really help inspire our families. Because, um, listen, I'm married to a teacher, so I feel this. Summer hits, and like we take our foot off the gas, right? It's like it's time to relax. And that is good, and that is right. And I I want us to rest. I I want us to, to take a breath. I do. But summertime is also this time where you and me and we, we have extra space with the children in our life. And listen, it's a low Sunday, and we just sent 3,000 kids back there, right? And there is this sense that the family, we have this responsibility. We have this joy to pour into these kids and these teenagers because one day they're going to be on the front lines of all kinds of things. And so we hope this initiative, this 100 days of summer, which is going to start next Sunday, uh, is this, our hope is this, that we help you as a family, help us as a church, help you as a people establish a rhythm in your home of engagement, talking about Christ, and just enjoying each other. Because it's so easy to not do those things. It's so easy to drift, and I see this in my family, to drift to our own little corners of the house and to not experience life together and intentionally form each other. 
So, so in light of that, today we're taking a, a break from the book of 1 John. And we're going to look at the topic of how we disciple all of these kids among us. This is not just for parents. This is for all of us in this room that call Covenant Our Faith Family. We have a responsibility to teach, disciple, equip, and form these kids. So, um, man, I'm going to do a picture. I didn't do a picture. But uh, this week, uh, my Hattie Jane graduated kindergarten, which was incredible. I thank you, Christian, back there clapping. The only one who loves Hattie Jane in here. And so... Um, it, it was one of those, you know, like, you know, milestone type days for us as parents. You know, I literally wept for an hour and a half. Me and Tracy, like, during the announcements, we're like, oh, the announcements are so beautiful. Um, and uh, I also learned about myself. Um, kindergarten graduations um, are like a life-giving thing. Like, kids are like apex cute at, at five years old, right? And they're so innocent and they're kind of confused. It's, parents are proud. It's like this just joyful moment. And they had teachers and principals speak, and they kind of all had this one theme. And when they, they all said this, and it's true. They say, it goes really fast. Goes really fast. I'm looking at Landry up there. You know, I remember his pictures a few weeks ago. Your hair, man, is incredible. And so it makes me mad when I see it um, because I don't have that, obviously. But if you ask time Court, they'll tell you it goes fast, right? It goes fast. And seeing my kids get older, you know, Hayes and Connor are third and fourth grade. And you see them getting older and older and more mature and all these things. And you can't help but think as a parent. And I hope even as, as part of the wider family of, of Christ, when I, when I see your kids, when I, when I see Lincoln, Haley, that's part of my family. And I see him graduating kindergarten and getting older. I remember praying for Lincoln. And you see this family of God and you see this day coming when we're going we're gonna to send them out into the world. And we have this responsibility. And today, uh, I want to get Psalms 1, which, listen, I know there's a few passages in Scripture that Covenant Church loves. And there's John 15, there's like all of Ephesians, um, there's, there's Psalms 1, and we love those passages. And, um, but I'm sorry, I was in it a few weeks ago, and there's this one thought that I believe for us as followers of Jesus and us as parents today can really help us in our walk with Christ. So in Psalms 1, uh, go to verse 3 first, because what you see in Psalms 1 is a picture of kind of two results of life. Look here at verse 3. It says, this is the man who, who walked in the way of Jesus. He is like a tree planted beside streams, flowing streams, that bears its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Sign my kid up for that. I want that right there, right? But verse 4, the wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. This, this first picture, and it's the picture I believe if, if we're a parent and we're trying to raise kids become like, it's the picture that we have for our kids when they hit that age. Planted by streams of water, bears fruit, does not wither. You see three things. You see a person who is secure, who is fruitful, who is strong. Secure, fruitful, strong. 
I pray that for my babies. They, they would leave one day as secure, fruitful, strong men and women in Christ. The second picture, chaff that is blown away. It's this picture of an insecure, fruitless, weak person. It's the thing, if we're honest as parents, and even as the family of God, that we stay up late at night. It's one of our greatest fears, isn't it? That we would send out unprepared men and women in faith. I think it's clear. We as a people, we want to send out trees. Amen? Secure, fruitful, beautiful, by streams of living water, trees. And today, we're going to look at Psalms 1 and how this can look in our lives. And we're going to go back to Deuteronomy 6, one of our kind of essential texts when it comes to parenting. And I'm going to go ahead and give away what I think what you see scripturally is kind of the secret to sending out trees. This is the whole sermon right here. Three things. First thing for you as a parent, own your role. Own your role. Second, see all of life as the classroom. And third, create the right soundtrack. Those are three points today. Own your role. See all of life as the classroom. And three, create the right soundtrack in your home. And I believe if we can walk in these kind of three scriptural points, biblical points, we have a good shot at sending out kids and teenagers like you see in Psalm 1. But here is where the tension lies for us today. If we're just all just really like ugly honest today. For most of us, myself included, most days we feel like the chaff. Don't we? We feel like the chaff that the wind is just blowing away. We feel tired, we feel insecure, we feel weak, and we feel unfruitful. So here's the question. How do I raise a tree when I look more like the chaff? That is the tension for every Christian follower in this room. How do we send out trees when we feel like the chaff? So my hope today is this right here. I, I want to kill two birds with one stone is I hope that we can see this kind of vision of biblical parenting. And I hope that we can see that and we can cling to that and we can learn from that. But as we do that, it creates this tension that, that I am not this tree. So I hope that we can also see how we can be transformed as people to become more like this tree we see in Psalms 1. Here's the deal. Every sermon really has the same message. I was in my, my Proverbs class an hour ago. It's the same point, is that we cannot do this, right? We cannot parent. We cannot disciple. We cannot. We cannot. But Ephesians 4, but God. Ephesians 2, excuse me. But God, right? That's the, the, the crescendo of every Christian sermon, is that we can see how the gospel, if it takes root, if it really takes root, it can do something far more than we could ask or even imagine. So let's go to Deuteronomy 6 today. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, I think it's on the screens. I'm not sure. I can't remember. That was an hour ago, so it's already gone. <laughs> um, 
Deuteronomy 6. Verse 4. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is the Shema, the famous Shema in the Hebrew Scriptures. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Verse 7, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit down in your house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your head. Let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. We use this passage all the time because it's just so clear but you think here, Moses here is sending out his people into a pagan territory. And he says, okay, I want to prepare you for what's to come, people. And as you go amongst these pagan people, remember this. First and most important, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That you must first do that. Second, teach your children to do the same. Moses puts it upon these people, which is our first point to own their role, to own their role as parents, as the primary faith trainer. So if you're not a parent in the room today, if you're a friend or an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent, you are a supporting role. You have a huge role to play, but it's a supporting role in the formation of our children and teenagers. The church comes alongside and supports the parent because the parent is the primary faith trainer in their child's life. What's interesting, this goes back before even the Israelites. You go all the way back to Father Abraham, right? Father Abraham, he had his son Isaac. In this incredible story, uh, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And they're going to prepare the sacrifice. And Isaac says to his father, Father, where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And what's interesting, before there was a church, before there was the people of Israel, before there was the law, there was a father, there was a son, there was a home. Because Isaac, he knew the proper way to worship because Abraham taught him. The passing down of faith throughout Christian history is from parents to child with the church supporting. So if we don't get this right as a people, as, as a parents, if we don't get this in the right order where the parent has to own the role of the primary faith trainer, we're always going to be a bit off. And you see this throughout really Christian history, but something in the past, I guess, hundred years has kind of changed. And there's been this kind of shift of focus away from the parents and really towards the church. You see how education it left homes and it went to schools. Uh, you have two parents working and, and no shame, me and my wife both work. You see this real rise of student and kids ministry based really on, on having fun. Life is just faster now than it was 50 years ago, correct? Life just moves and moves and moves. Our kids have so many hobbies and activities. There is this culture of appeasing and appealing to our kids and making sure they have everything that they need. And instead of being a trainer, we become a vendor, correct, as parents? 
or an Uber driver or a, a Disney planner or whatever our thing is to make our kids happy, we forget the primary role and we put on this lesser hat to please and busy our kids. I think it really comes down to this. There's been a rise of secular and a lower of the spiritual in our context. So as parents, we tend to think more primarily about the secular means of life. Good grades, good manners, good school, lots of fun, lots of experiences. I am not against those things. Yes and amen to having fun with our kids. But if we lose sight of our initial spiritual mandate, spiritual role, we're always going to be playing catch up. The church cannot do what God intended for the parents to do. Justin Early says this, I love this. The most Christian way to think about our households is that they are little schools of love. Places where we have one vocation, one calling to form all who live here into lovers of God and neighbor. Our homes should be little churches. But here is the other thing I will say to our parents today. You are the primary faith trainer, but you're not alone. Does that make sense? We have these pendulums that we swing towards. You need other brothers and sisters in Christ at your dinner table. You need single brothers and sisters in Christ at your dinner table, loving, discipling, enjoying your family. We tend to go to one, all these extremes, right? Okay, I'm the faith trainer, so I can have nobody in my house, right? No, no, no. We need the fellowship of the body of Christ to come alongside our parents and help them do this. This principle is foundational for Christian parenting. It starts with parents owning their role. But I think the tough part is, I think, you know, we can see this clearly in scripture, but how do we do this? Like, how does this play out to own our role in everyday life? We, when do we do this? Oh, where do we do this? All those kind of things. Go back to Deuteronomy 6 and go to verse 7, if you don't mind. Because Moses gives his people, I think us today, kind of a picture of what this looks like. He says here, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, make a sign on your hand, let it be a symbol on your forehead, right on the doorpost. What Moses is saying is that it's in all of life. This is our second point, is that we as, as faith trainers, we must see all of life as the classroom. All of life is the classroom. Our kids learn much more between our family devotions than they do in devotions many times. How you react to your sports team losing. I should not say that. Um, how, you, how you should, um, oh good, Tracy's not in here, so she can't acknowledge that. Um, how you handle disappointments. How you walk in anger, how you talk to your spouse, how you use your words, how you respond when your kid messes up, all these all of life classroom activities is so important. Because this task is not just kind of some time or some place, it really is in all of life. And this is where the task of parenting starts to feel if we're honest, a bit overwhelming, right? Because if all of life is the classroom, 
That means I'm constantly blowing it. Because in all of life, our kids see everything. But I want to remind us in love, our kids see everything. Our kids see everything. So I want to help maybe break this down into kind of three different ways that we do this to make it a bit more tangible for us today. Uh, The first way we do this in all of life is through milestones, where we leverage the big milestones in life to help our kids see how God is at work. You know, this is dedications. This is a baptism. This is birthdays. This is graduations. We leverage these big milestones We don't blow past them. We leverage them and speak blessings over our kids. That when they turn 13, that's a confusing, awkward age for any person, correct? We as a parent, as a a faith trainer, we come in and we help give direction to this next stage of life. And we speak blessings over our kids for this next stage of, of, of life. We use this milestone. We leverage it to point them towards Christ. Second, First is milestone, second is time. Is that we throughout our days and our weeks, we spend intentional time enjoying our kids and pointing them towards Jesus. This is the mission of our 100 days of summer is we wanna help you craft intentional time with the kids in your life. And once again, I'm talking to parents, I'm talking to aunts, I'm talking to friends, I'm talking to grandparents that we're all a part of this intentional time with our kids. Third, moments. This is really the all of life classroom picture. That we take the good and the bad moments and we help capture those God moments in your child's life. You know, this happens with my boys. Um, So uh, it was last week we had some kind of ceremony for Hayes. And Hayes is just crying about this. And he is sad because he is leaving third grade going to fourth grade. And there's this real like sense of just sadness in, my, in your child's life. And that breaks your heart as a parent, right? It just breaks your heart. But it's in those moments that our kids are so teachable, aren't they? Where we can respond with love and patience or with, hey, just get over it. It's me, okay? How do we respond in those kind of moments or when they really get caught sinning? When, they, when they're lying when they get a terrible grade, when they're caught cheating, when they look at stuff on a computer they shouldn't look at, whatever it might, those big moments, how we respond trains our kids in a certain way. And either it points them towards Christ or it points them towards shame, which is where the gospel is so central and so important. We just sing that our sins are great, but his mercy is more. But many times we do not functionally parent that way, do we? We parent as if, if you sin like this, I don't know. We must teach our kids that that well of forgiveness is so deep in Christ. To come to him over and over and over again. Now, once again, uh, the elephant is still there because it's us. If we're honest, the problem with all this still is that I'm the parent's. I'm the one who's supposed to own the role and I'm the one who's supposed to use all of life to kind of train them up, right? But I'm still here. I still feel like chaff. And we're gonna get this in a few moments, but 
here's our last kind of secret for parenting, our, our last secret for how we do this. Go to Psalms 1 again. Verse 1 says this, how happy, your Bible might say, how blessed is the one or blessed is the man who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in this pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. This is a person who avoids the way of the world, who avoids the wide road, correct? And here's the key in verse 2. Here is the secret that I think can unlock our parenting and even our lives. Verse 2, instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. His delight is in the Lord's instruction. What makes him bubbled up with joy is the way of God. End of verse 2, and he meditates on it day and night. Happy is the man who delights in the law and meditates on the law. This is a picture of a man who is creating the right soundtrack, which is the third point today. Create the right soundtrack. And here's the truth. There is a soundtrack in your home. There is an overriding message in your home. There is a culture or an ethos or a spirit in your home. The question is this, what is that soundtrack? What is that soundtrack? Is it a soundtrack that delights in the lesser? Is it a soundtrack that might have some good things, but overall its greatest hope is shame, its greatest tool is shame? What is the soundtrack of your home? In a sense, a soundtrack is just simply the habits of our households. It's the things that we delight in and we do over and over and over again. It's the habits of the household. Because our rhythms and our habits, they teach ourselves and our kids what's truly important to us. Hear this, friends. Your habits are what form you. Your habits are what form you. Here's what I mean. If you do things enough, if you watch Netflix enough, you become attached to watching Netflix. That's what happens because our habits form us into what we do. It's this kind of vicious circle over and over again. Uh, once again, Justin Early says this, there is no escaping habits and formation in the family. We become our habits and our kids become us. I'm going to say that one more time. We become our habits and our kids become us. The family, for better or worse, is a formation machine. And there's two words today. Two words that I want us to write down to help us with the soundtrack of our lives and our homes. It's really the theme of this 100 days of summer, and it's just two words. Aren't you ready for those two words? I just you're so excited right now. Here they, here they are. Enjoy and repeat. Enjoy and repeat. A good soundtrack, good biblical Psalms 1 type habits will include those two things. Enjoying, the psalmist says delighting, 
and repeating. Because this picture of this word here in meditate in Psalms 1 is this picture of the psalmist, of the man just repeating the words of the law of the way of God over and over and over again. Imagine you have just met your spouse, you had your first or second date, and you have your song already you have for each other, about your love for each other, and you can't stop thinking about this person, you're singing this song, and it's on your heart, you're delighting on it day and night, you're enjoying, and you're repeating, and it's the soundtrack of your initial courtship, correct? And then at some point, the record gets off, <laughs> off kilter. Think about how we talk about God and his way. And I want to stop for just one second. What time? I got a minute. When we think about his way, what we're repeating, what we're thinking about, meditating on is this right here. It's that the way of the kingdom of Jesus is better than the way of the kingdom of this world. It's the Ten Commandments. Going deeper, it really is the Sermon on the Mount. It's where Jesus kind of gives this big mission statement. This is what life is like in my kingdom. Where the world says, cut your enemy's throat. The way of Jesus says, love your enemies, right? Where the world says, consume, the kingdom of God says, we give and we serve. And we have to repeat these things and delight is that this is better over and over and over again. And it roots it deep down into our souls. Things that get passed down are the things that we enjoy and the things that we repeat. Too many times the way we talk about God in our home is the way we talk about an instruction manual. Well, then God said that we should um, love our neighbors and uh, we should give to those in need. And let's go ahead and pray now and let's go have fun. We talk about the way of Jesus as like this burden, as, as a drag. I know it sounds so weird to say that word right now. But like, like it's just like it's the worst thing and this like burden on us. Hear this, friends. The way of Jesus is the way to abundant life. It is. And as we let that take root in our lives, and as we become the, the herald of that, the champion of that, the repeater of that, something happens in our life and the life of our family. Okay. I think it's clear as we walk through this, as you look at all of Scripture, you see these three things. To own your role, that the parent is the primary faith trainer, the family of God comes alongside the parent to help them raise their kids. Two, all of life is the classroom. We can't just like decide like this is time to learn about Jesus. No, all of life, our kids and ourselves are learning about Jesus. And third, to see this rooted in our families, we must create the right soundtracks in our home. But once again, the elephant in the room. See in Psalm 1 about this picture of the chaff that is blown away. Too many times we are the chaff. How can we, it's just so we feel so weak. How can we raise and send out these great trees of faith? Listen, you cannot pass down a soundtrack that you're not walking in, correct? So what do we do? Well, we follow the psalmist. We enjoy and we repeat. We enjoy and we repeat. The beginning, you see this in Deuteronomy 6, 
the beginning of Christian parenting, the beginning of, hear this, of Christian formation is a person saying, I'm going to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to delight, I'm going to enjoy and repeat. So I have two questions for us as we close today. Two questions to help guide us in how we can walk in this. First question, talking about enjoying. What draws your affections to the way of Jesus? Before we go to any kind of parenting stuff or any kind of how we can help kids, here's the question. What draws your affections to the way of Jesus? I'll just tell you this right now. I think many times there are things in our life, and by things I mean unconfessed sin. I mean bitterness towards a brother or sister in Christ that if we do not deal with, there will not be affection for the way of Jesus. That there is little things in your life that are not dealt with and it is literally stopping you from enjoying fellowship with him. So for some of us in this room, our first step towards walking in this kind of way is to do work with Christ, confess sin, or go to brother or sister in Christ. That, that's just first right off, the, right off the bat. Many ways that we are typically deficient. So years ago, I went to the doctor, got blood work done, and I was low in vitamin D. And because I was low in vitamin D, I could not walk in health. I think there's many things spiritually that we are low in in the same way. So let's do some blood work right now. Um, ways we are deficient. Uh, first is being around other brothers and sisters in Christ. So um, my friend uh, Chris called me the other day, Chris Gunter. And we talked 30, 30 minutes on the phone and we both left super encouraged off the phone call. And as a reminder, there is something supernaturally powerful about encouraging and being encouraged by a brother and sister in Christ. Correct? Is that true in your life as well or just my life? But, he, but isn't it also true? Many times the last thing we want is to go to the gathering, is to pick up the phone, is to share the meal. But friends... Our affections are waned because there's some things only brothers and sisters in Christ can fan, right? You need brothers and sisters in Christ to stir your affections for Jesus. And I believe many of us are deficient in that area. Second, we need less of this world. Just real straight up, like, you know, old school pastor. We need less of this world. I need less Netflix. I need to buy less things. Here's why. Our habits form us into who we are. And when I scroll Amazon and I click on this thing to buy it, I am habitually telling my heart, mind, and soul that this will bring me something. And it's always letting me down. It's like a bad girlfriend. We need less of this world. Three, we need more scripture. Many of us are deficient in the greatest news in the world because every day we forget the greatest news in the world. Uh, I will tell you many times music stirs my affections for Christ. Singing that his mercy is more stirs my affections for Christ. Uh, walking outside. We become a society that lives indoors and on screens, correct? 
There is something about just taking a walk outside. Helps my vitamin D as well, apparently. And so that walk outside, there is something about being God's creation, seeing the grass in the field, seeing the birds in the air that reminds me, my father has this. Walk outside. Last way to kind of draw your affections, silence. Now, I'm an introvert, so I love this. Um, I have young kids, so I can't do this many times. Silence and reflecting and chewing and meditating and thinking on the things of God. These things draw our affections. Listen, you're not meant to walk the Christian life with a scowl on our face. Abundant life is real and accessible. But I will say this, we must walk in the path many times. We must make the practice of enjoying him to actually enjoy him. So that's the first question. What draws your affection to the way of Jesus? Second, how do you keep this on your heart and on your mind? So what draws your affections? And second, how do you make this a habit? This is the discipline of the Christian life. Our hearts and our minds, we need this living spiritual water every single day. We typically want to like just store up for the winter, right? And have a big gulp once a week, once a month and be, be good. No, it doesn't work that way. We come to that well every single day. That's how we walk in true joy, true delightment of him is by coming to him. And here, here's the thing. We are taught that once we put our faith in Christ, that we can just sit back at that point. Hear this. There is a difference between earning and working. We're not called to earn anything, but friends, we are called to deny ourselves and to actually walk and work in the way of Jesus. We are called to walk, to actively pursue him. This does not happen by osmosis. And second thing, it is the most restful thing that we can do. Setting our hearts and minds on him brings much more joy, rest, and satisfaction than anything this world can offer. I read this quote from this um, old monk this week. He says this about walking with God. He said that we should establish ourselves in a sense of God's presence by continually communing with him. It is shameful to abandon this divine communion to occupy our minds with trivial matters. We should feed and nourish our souls with high thoughts of, God's, of God, which yield us great joy and devotion to him. In order to form a habit of communing with God continually and committing everything we do to him, we must at first make a special effort. After a while, we find that his love inwardly inspires us to do all things for him effortlessly. Friends, to get the wheels turning, it's going to take discipline. And I'll say this, it will take work. But there is freedom in this work. There is freedom in this way. And here's, as we wrap up today. And getting to kind of the core of this delighting and repeating, enjoying and repeating is this right here. There's only one thing in this world I have found. There's literally one thing that truly gives rest to like a really tired soul. 
And I, I don't know about y'all, but like May is normally like my worst month as a human. I'm just, I am just worn down. I am just tired. But there is one thing, there is one thing that like quenches my thirst. This right here. I wrote this down. It says, I am tired and weary and I'm a masterful sinner. But Jesus came. He was perfect. He was sinless. He was punished for my sins. I, Jason, am now forgiven through faith and trust in him. I am free. I have hope. I have purpose. That essential gospel truth to myself is many times the only thing that keeps me going. And I will tell you, it is the thing more than anything in this world, more than my girl's graduation, more than a, a Cowboy Super Bowl. Uh, that's a pipe dream anyways. Um, more than all the riches in the world. The fact that Jesus sees every ounce of my filth yet keeps coming after me. That essential truth brings more joy to my weary bones than anything in this world. And friends, if I can learn, if we can learn to just walk in that truth day by day, moment by moment many times, on that essential truth, I promise you this, we will progress. No one here is going to like snap their fingers and turn the light on and become this luscious tree of faith. It's not going to happen. But friends, progression is possible as the mind is set on the truth of the gospel. And that is our hope. And what happens in this situation as we repeat this and enjoy this over and over and over again in our own hearts, we can't help but in our homes to make this habit central. And as this habit is central in our homes, we have these homes that exude joy. When our kids mess up, we just go back to the gospel. We don't preach shame, we preach freedom. The only antidote to our sin is the gospel. It's not shame, it's not hiding. And as it's the culture of our home, what we'll end up doing is raising up these great trees of faith. And what I hope for my kids and for your kids is that their faith would surpass our faith, amen? that we'd one day send out these men and women and they would do things that we can't imagine. My favorite biographies, my favorite stories of great men and women in their faith is really about their parents, and their grandparents. You hear this story like it was just some faithful grandmother who nobody knew about, who constantly prayed over and over and over and over again. And then ends up, there's this great man or one of the faith that we all know about. What if we as parents, what if we as aunts, what if we as uncles, what if we as friends, what if we as grandparents, if we were the unseen tree, we were the unseen tree in the background, enjoying and repeating the things of God over and over, and we humbly pass these down to our kids. And in this next generation, our kids could do things that we cannot even imagine. Churches started, orphans adopted, Homeless uh, brought home. Hurting people find Jesus. What if just through our unseen, humble efforts, God could do an amazing work? I believe it is possible, but it only happens 
as we as a people commit to the, in a sense, the ABCs of our nutrition, that we must enjoy the truth of the gospel and repeat the truth of the gospel in our everyday life. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you for today. I thank you that your mercy is more. Father, I think we could ask every parent in this room, myself included, of just instant after instant of blowing it. But Father, we're reminded that your kindness is what leads to repentance. That we know that in the Father's arm, there's a wealth of forgiveness. And so Father, we look to you and we just confess where we've fallen short. And Father, my biggest prayer is that we would learn how to plant that seed of faith in the gospel as the essential and habitual soundtrack of our life, the mantra of our life that we would repeat day in, day out, moment in, moment out, that it would just be like what's always playing in our hearts and our minds. Now we go to your word, we go seeking out the good news, Father. When we talk with other brothers and sisters in Christ, Father, we're just reminding each other of this great truth over and over and that we'd be a gospel people that are planted deeply into the roots, into the way of Jesus. And as we're planted and rooted deeply, Father, you would produce this fruit. You produce this strength, this steadfastness that only you produce. So Father, help us as tired, weary, sinners, parents, kid formation makers in this room today. Help us today to cling to the good news. Let us not leave our first love. Let us cling to you in the good news. Let us seek you first and let all these things be added unto you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to conclude our time in the sermon with uh, communion. What better picture of the gospel than communion? As parents, you have fallen short. I've fallen short. We come to the table, which is the table of broken and fallen short people. And we proclaim that his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. And we partake in his work. We put faith in his work to change us from the inside out. And so this meal, if you're not a follower of Jesus or, or a Christian in this room, this meal's not for you. You can come talk to me, ask questions, or just sit at your, ta- at your chair, no problem at all. But this is a meal for those who put their faith in Jesus. So take a moment at your seat, uh, reflect. Uh, You might need to go to a a brother or a sister in Christ and and do work today. You might need to confess sins to God or to another friend today. But do work. Come when you're ready.